just under 24 hours since what uh, Patrice ever described as a catastrophic exit from Europe. How are you doing? Have you recovered at all? Y- yes and no. I, it's just not that much of a surprise. I think that's the thing. I think if, if I had had genuine expectations that United were going to win the tournament this year, that somehow we'd done what Sir Alex said in the summer and we're working out a way to beat Barcelona and progress to that next level then 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 I might be more disappointed but uh, the fact is we have been pretty rubbish all the way through this tournament I think our form over the last what, six or seven weeks since the City game has been abysmal a lot of papering over the cracks and and, and maybe this is a wake-up call maybe maybe this will turn into a good thing maybe that's positive Ed well done it's it's, it's a, a nice rare appearance for the lad yeah I don't believe it by the way actually I, I think I, I, I think <laughs> what we're what we all hear instead is there's no value in the market I believe in the kids I've got excellent players it was just bad luck you know we're a bit complacent yada 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 Ed uh, positive Ed was just here and he went away within 30 seconds yes well I, it's just it's hard to be positive isn't it I mean it's so so how do you fix this problem right uh, you, there's two tracks here do we believe that somehow it's just a bit of bad luck and all those factors I just mentioned have contributed to United going out it's just a one-off thing and this is an evolving team that is going to get it better or do we believe that the Glazer family have slowly sucked out the ability for United to compete what is it 580 million pounds lost to the club over the last six years and as a result there are structural problems in the United squad that need fixing and it probably can only be fixed by adding to our admittedly very good group of youngsters some real quality so we've been saying this for a while haven't we so if you believe the latter or somewhere near it, it's it's pretty depressing today. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that the truth, as ever, is somewhere in between the two polar opposite positions. The club has not yet been completely ruined by the Glazers, and nor are we just on the verge of being Barcelona. I, I, I did some research today. Uh, I, I try and avoid doing that if at all possible, so we can I can continue to be massively underinformed about the important issues we're discussing. In last season, compared to this season, we, we lost five players out of the squad who between them have won 36 league titles, two UEFA Cups, seven Champions Leagues and four Club World Cups. Now, there's a lot of overlap. In fact, for example, that's four players all won the same Club World Cup. But but that is an enormous amount of experience uh, at the very highest level that we lost. Now, none of them were performing at that highest level with the exception of Edwin van der Sar and the odd 20 minutes of Paul Scholes. But the, the fact that they were replaced by a collection of players who between them have won a Championship playoff and the Europa League... That, that's the extent of the, the trophies won by the players that came in. Uh, it, there is just a huge, a huge gap in terms of experience at the top level. And listen, last night was a combination of factors all coming together at the same time. If Wayne Rooney was in half-decent form, we would have scored last night. I mean, we did score in the end when it was kind of too late, but we'd have scored at the point at which it was one, we were 1-0 down and the, the ball would have bounced for us right. You know, there were, it, was, it was close. I know that's nowhere near good enough. I'm just saying the lack of form on the pitch was a huge problem and Ferguson took an absolutely enormous gamble with this Champions League group based on complacency and that complacency fed into the players yeah well I mean the first game out he, he picked several fringe players you'd say for that, that Benfica game didn't he in his defence he looked at the fixture list in the Premiership and said I need to get we've got such a tough programme of fixtures in the early part of the season this is how I'm going to manage it I believe that this this squad of players is good enough
enough to get through this group even if I take a few risks and as we've said so many times Ferguson's entire career has been built on his capacity as a gambler and the thing about gamblers is they don't always win even good gamblers lose some of the time they just try and keep the odds in their favour and I think that on paper the odds were still in Fergie's favour it's just that it massively hasn't paid off through a combination of injury perhaps less quality than was actually than he thought was available to him a really unfortunate suspension to Vidic and Michael Carrick which is not to say there aren't structural problems in the squad of a very high level because if there was the right kind of investment we would have been able to brook those kind of misfortunes and still qualify uh, out of the group right so so look there's two points here one one you started out by saying uh, younger players come in to replace experience well I think quite a lot of people in some were looking for especially an experienced high quality midfielder perhaps two in fact um, uh, one of an attacking one of a defensive nature it didn't happen and so we can't cope with the injuries I mean we, we were left with a midfield that uh, included yes experience in Michael Carrick and Darren Fletcher each of whom had had their own problems in fact probably Michael Carrick's been our, our best central midfielder this season over the over the course Absolutely. of it cleverly's only been around for five games or four and a half or something quite a lot of people would not have predicted that and then you've got a whole bunch of other players who had their own problems yeah, cleverly had an injury record was young and inexperienced who couldn't con- surely couldn't rely on him uh, uh, to win United the European Cup Anderson really hasn't performed over the last four years Darren Gibson just not good enough Darren Fletcher got the virus and, and all of that kind of stuff so all those problems are all there we knew all about them and somehow it was a strategy built on hope and you know my old business mentor used to tell me uh, hope is no kind of strategy it was no kind of strategy full stop right now on top of that you can layer the fact that there are injuries and suspensions and bad luck and poor form and and complacency and team selection and all of that kind of stuff but but the fact is you know the underlying thing wasn't good enough now maybe would have would have gone a bit further with a, a squad that you know isn't the peak of European football um, if those things hadn't happened I mean arguably last season we were saying this is a squad that isn't the peak of European football actually pretty mundane in the Premier League for an awful long time and our conclusion at the end of last season was that we'd won that Premier League because no one else was good enough to beat us uh, that's always the case isn't it <laughs> yes but I know exactly what you mean N- not out of uh, you know United's individual brilliance and and there have been many occasions when United has won the, the Premier League through being brilliant so so I mean I guess my point is yeah all of that is fair that you said but the underlying problem was there's a dipping quality of the squad compared with previous years yeah and to extend this gambling analogy to breaking point uh, if you are familiar with the rules of Texas Hold'em poker uh, then you know any starting hand can win but you want to have a better starting hand if at all possible and Ferguson put a lot of chips behind a bet with a less than ideal starting hand and then did not hit any of the cards he needed to hit to improve so anyway it, it's a really unfortunate situation and, and you know the, I'm not don't don't want this kind of t- the buck stops with Fergie and th- that does not mean I think that he shouldn't be our manager anymore I'm sure he's managing this team as well as could anyone in the world could be managing this team and facing the vagaries of the situation at the club financially as well as anybody could be yes yes I mean, and look that's that's all true yeah I mean I'm not, I'm not attaching I'm not attaching full blame to Ferguson by any means I think he's got some culpability team selection culpability no I mean for, for I, whatever reason there he he did not push back on the the Glazer family when they were 
wouldn't release the funds. I mean, he's supported them all throughout the last six years, very, very vocally. He's tied into their strategy completely. Yeah, you know, they're one and the same thing in 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 public at least. Uh, so, um, of course, there's there's loads of culpability for Ferguson there. I, you know, and but I agree with you. I, I think there's no better man given the situation. The the problem is it's partly of his own making. It is partly of his own. He making, has a very yes. significant part in its making. Let's say in terms of the football. I mean, is it worth us really analysing the game against Aston Villa? We we were brilliant for half an hour and then just seemed to lose all dynamism and energy. And if Aston Villa were not absolutely terrible at the moment and playing some completely abysmal football under uh, Alec McLeish, brought Emmett. They, they, they might have, yeah, they might have given us a game. You know, I think you're right. A good assessment, really. I mean, I think I think actually Aston Villa are cheating their manager there at the moment. Oh, I, I know McLeish is, is you know, his teams play very much like his personality there. The dower. I'm sorry for the Scottish cliche there, but it's uh, it's true really about Aston Villa, isn't it? And I mean, this is a team that hasn't beaten United well for a decade now. Got only got three points in the last eleven, something like only three in the last twenty-five games against us at Villa Park or whatever it is. It's a horrendous record. But they made absolutely no attempt, no attempt to attack United whatsoever. And Darren Bent was on his own most of the time. Didn't have a very good game. Um, Aston Villa were very very poor, and and United basically brilliant first half an hour pretty pretty average for the rest of the rest of the match and that was enough yeah I mean it was and and uh, Michael Carrick very good again seems to as you said earlier seems to be one of our star performers this season um, so I guess we should talk about the actual football again in the game against Baal I mean I put on Twitter at one point that every, every time they had the ball and were streaming forward I thought they were going to score and at no point in the whole game did I think we were going to score yeah I mean for, for all for that possession United had just just wasn't any penetration, was there? And 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 Basel looked extremely good on the break. Nani uh, had a very, very, very good game, and I kept hoping that the ball would somehow break to him in a situation where he could just personally do do the damage because he kept putting in kind of good crosses and making impressive penetrative runs, and there was no one on the end of the crosses. Rooney Rooney looks in absolutely shocking form to the extent that uh, no messing around. I, I am genuinely would not be at all surprised if something broke again. I don't mean about him leaving the club necessarily but but just something in his personal life because this is exactly it's manifesting exactly the same way it did last time that doesn't mean well he he looked very frustrated didn't he and you know you were kind of waiting for the moment when he when he kicked someone and it didn't happen but he definitely looked frustrated I think he's frustrated with himself I don't think it helps that he's played in a completely different position every game I mean, he played up top a lot of the the Basel game he's played in the hole he's played in central midfield I mean he hasn't been played on the wings thank God but but he's moved around consistently I mean he scored at what was it 11 in his first 10 games this season but now hasn't scored from open place in September basically except the only goals he's got against Galati and they're from the spot yeah I mean you do wonder is this just who he is is he just is he just Apache genius you know because when when he looks on form when he looks on form it looks like he is an absolute world beater it looks like he's just right up there just under Messi and Ronaldo as one of the best you know in, a, a, in seriously in the conversation but ne- neither of them yeah. seem to have periods of form like this and he does it this is the second time in the space of 12 months that he's he's gone through a barren patch not just barren but but poor yeah and but I, I mean I think the poor performances have come latterly and maybe it's a confidence thing he is he's always been a streaky yeah. scorer right that always seems to be the way and, and I think we'd accept a lower level of streakiness if he was played you know in what I, I believe is 
is his natural position, which is kind of in a you know shadow striker's role. And and, and we don't accept that if he only scored 20 a season rather than 35. Got a bunch of assists and unlocked defences and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. All of that kind of the aggregate contribution was greater than just the goals. And and I think we'd accept that. But I think in like yeah the last four or five games he's been particularly average. I wasn't sure that was the case before that. And I I guess it's uh, it's 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 hard to analyse some of it because uh, he played what a couple or maybe three games in central midfield yeah. as well. And it's really hard to say you know was he playing well or not there. I mean coasted through yeah. those games. But I mean yeah let's hope something doesn't break. Let's hope it all gets fixed. We kind of need him. Uh, Berbatov's got uh, got this calf problem at the moment. Hernandez looks like he'll be out for quite some time. And I mean yeah, bad bad injury against Villa. He turned right over on his ankle. And I know they're saying sort of three weeks minimum, six weeks maximum. But I, I think there are other players who've done a very similar injury you've been out of Robin Van Persie's good example was out for three months so it could be a lot worse and and wouldn't want to rush him back it's the kind of injury that that uh, there's you know not only is you uh, have a problem with the ligaments themselves but the muscle atrophies around it and so you don't get as much support so there's a likelihood of reoccurrence you know look at Tom Cleverley look at Rooney in fact uh, when he had that that problem as well so I don't think Hernandez will be back anytime soon okay Welbeck's now back but you know hasn't had a lot of games recently he's a young player and all that so we're a little bit short up front at the moment I mean we're hugely short up front at the moment beginning of the season we started with seven strikers in the senior squad but you can discount three of them instantly because Duf is not good enough Michael Owen is way way past his best and just an absolute walking injury and people have faith in Makeda that I do not understand I mean he, he, he cemented a potential legend early on by scoring one of the most important goals in Manchester United's history against Villa but, but since then I mean he, his contribution has been minimal and you know yesterday I saw people on Twitter getting kind of excited when he came on with 10 minutes to go I was like you were really getting excited about a player who whose last game was an abysmal performance against the championship side so yeah. you basically well, that's four centre forwards which should be you know that, that you're normally going to be okay with four centre forwards unless you get pretty unlucky and we have got pretty unlucky with the forwards they've all been apart from Rooney they've all been in and out with injury this season uh, oh, the, the thing that I did not understand the, the worst okay so you reckon that the loss from going out of the Champions League is around £20 million in revenue right that's yeah around about there's, there's, there's some good analysis on uh, Anders Red's blog today in fact I just, just saw it uh, before we came on air. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's a roundabout. I mean, it was actually. I mean, if you think of, if you equated it to last, I mean, it's not exactly comparable. But if you take the equation of last season, it'd be about 23 million. Actually, we get a little bit more this year from the pool because we were first rather than uh, obviously second from last last season Champions League. We were second the year before Chelsea were the uh, the Premier League winners, so they get a bigger share of the pool. So that's a little bit of a mitigating factor there. Anders Red uh, thinks about uh, 17 to 18 million something something like it just kind of depends on a few factors you know how many games you play and all that kind of stuff that will have been lost if United replicate last season's performance there'll be some back depending on how we do in the Europa League could potentially win up to 4 million from winning the thing and there's quite a lot of games involved in that one as well so um, and season season ticket holders you'll all be delighted to know you have to pay for your tickets you do automatic cup ticket scheme it's a lovely scheme indeed and we, we don't know exactly what the pricing will be if they follow the Champions League pricing obviously the Champions League 
feed prices uh, go up in a sliding scale and they get more expensive. So, I mean, I think if, for example, uh, the club tried to charge £59 in the North Stand for a Europa League semi-final, I'm not sure too many people will be very happy with that, especially if the automatic cup ticket schemes in play and they're made to buy those tickets as well. So we'll see. If they were a nice club, of course, they'd realise that the Europa League is a second-tier competition. They would cut the prices. They wouldn't force people to buy them and recognising the fact that Ferguson will probably use the competition to rotate and uh, we might see a few of the fringe players in there so we'll see I mean I'm not sure this is a nice club and they'll do that but we'll, we'll see maybe they'll maybe they'll maybe they're listening to the rant cast <laughs> um, if they are we'd suddenly we'd somehow have been taken off air I'm sure uh, even though we're not really on air uh, maybe our, with all that said potentially the most damaging thing that happened last night happened to Nemanja Vidic's median ligaments yes I mean we don't medial ligaments we don't know for sure what what's up with Vidic and, and the, the club have not said how long he's likely to be out for yet perhaps that will have been revealed by the time this, this show comes out Vidic is our single most important player I think now he's become that and and it's a, a huge loss and it and if he's really really in trouble and we've lost him for six months or the, the you know the season or something it puts an enormous dent in our chance, chances of winning anything I think yeah completely yeah Matt, Matt he's been our best player the difference in solidity of United back four with Fernando Vidic back I mean at least domestically it w- was quite significant wasn't it and tightened up an awful lot and that's going to be a huge loss I mean I presume Don- Johnny Evans will come into the side but there may well end up being some rotation I mean Ferdinand's played a lot of games in a row now he's going to need some break over the Christmas period Vidic will definitely miss that you know whatever it is he's going to be a few weeks on the sideline if it is really serious and it's a, a you know a, a serious tear or something like that then he'll be out for an awful long time yeah it's going to be a huge blow yeah absolutely and one thing that I really didn't understand was the decision to bring Johnny Evans on at that point in the game I mean we were 1-0 down there was a decently long time left to go in the game and we did look vulnerable at the back but he had four centre-backs on the pitch at the beginning of that game four centre-backs four wingers left back and a forward yeah and and, and, and you know all of this I think and sorry to harp on but I think most of this comes out about the lack of balance in midfield you know so he's moving people around I mean, central midfield, we had a centre-back and a left-winger. And, yeah, I mean, other players out of position, obviously, Chris Smalling, natural centre-back and uh, playing on the right and, and all of that. And, and it's, I don't think it does United's cohesiveness any good, really, with uh, switching players around so much. I mean, in one or two, yes, but you know, when you put it in those terms, no wonder the team wasn't that cohesive. But, but why why didn't he, at that point, switch to a 4-4-2 and bring Danny Welbeck on and, and play either Jones or Smalling at centre-back and the other one at right back? I don't know. Well, why, why did he bring Johnny Evans on? What, 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 what's the rationale for that? I mean, the only, the only rationale that I can think of is okay we are dominating possession one of these is going to go in at the point at which it does I'd like us to still be very solid mm. well maybe 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 that's it maybe he's, he's still worried about the pre-City period when United were giving up an awful lot of chances right maybe I don't know you'd have to ask Fergie do you think he might maybe he'll come on the rank cast and answer those questions for us I'd love to talk to Fergie but he wouldn't it wouldn't I don't think it would be that much fun talking to him because the things you want to ask him he, he's not going to answer is he no, very true although um, his previous press conference has somewhat backfired where he snapped we, we talked about it a little bit didn't we in the previous podcast well no you didn't you didn't explain what happened because I saw this little clip of him storming out of a press conference or what appeared to be him storming yes, out of the press conference yes. and you said that's not really what happened ah yeah yeah no that's right we didn't actually we, we sort of chatted pre-recording but well 
yeah, it was a little bit taken out of context because essentially the press conference had finished and he was getting up and uh, a reporter shouted out another question. He actually came back and sat down and the, the, the question was, you know, don't you think you're struggling in the Champions League? And uh, and he answered it and said, I don't think we're struggling. He had a smirk on his face, got up and left. You know, so you can call that storming out if you want, but I thought that was misrepresentation of exactly what happened there. But still, that's kind of come back to haunt him when he's he's mocked that question. Uh, no, we're not struggling in the Champions League. How ridiculous is that when, you know, clearly we are struggling in the Champions League? Well, yeah, and, and it was the Manchester clubs, wasn't it? The Manchester clubs are, mm. are struggling in the Champions League and they're both out. Indeed, indeed. Eh? So I guess the upshot of all of that was was basically not the best performance ever from United. And, and it wasn't, I just have to say, even though United were pushing, it didn't surprise me an awful lot when, when um, Basel scored a second. Shakiri was pretty good, I thought. I thought he was good in both the games. And uh, when I've seen him before Switzerland, I thought he was pretty good. And, and just a ball in behind the defence and Smalley didn't deal with it properly. And, and that kind of killed the game, basically, the second goal. I mean, yeah, it was, it was all over that point. At Big Red M, tweeted moments before it went in, they're just about to score a second goal. And Adrian Charles, who I'm not a big fan of, uh, well, actually, I've always liked Adrian Charles until he took over ITV Football, which is impossible to be good on. And his sort of chummy, banterish uh, persona doesn't seem to work on, on in that format. I think he needs more time, Adrian Charles does, to be any good. Anyway, he said uh, that's the most heartbreaking thing when you're a fan. You know, you're chasing, constantly, you're desperately chasing the equaliser. You feel inches away it's going in at any moment and then they spring forward and score. And it was was definitely one of those one of those moments. And, and I guess for the first goal, a, a, another error, well, several players, but a, an error in a way from De Gea who kicked it rather than handling it. Yeah, and that's a couple, I, I don't know, the, the people that don't rate David De Gea and think he was a bad signing to me are like watching a different game or something, but... Yeah, I know, but they're being fueled by the media who... Oh my God, did you hear the, the commentator when De Gea makes an absolutely unbelievable save from a free kick at completely full stretch, top corner save, and he says it's a good save, not anything more than that. I mean, I don't like to talk in conspiracy terms, so I don't think it's that. I think it's one of those kind of self-perpetuating things. So, Groupthink. Yeah, it is a little bit that, and it's also some people who came out and rushed to judgment about the hair very early on, like, I don't know, BBC pundit Mark Bright and Patrick Barclay, once of the times, now retired or unemployed, some people won't miss him, came out very early and said, oh, he's bad signing, blah, 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 and people have to kind of keep justifying that. And, and I, he's a 20-year-old kid who moved... We've gone over this before, haven't we? I mean, I, I don't think it was any kind of surprise he makes mistakes uh, now and again. I think he's he's going to turn out to be a very, very good goalkeeper. That's my p- position. If in four years' time he still isn't... He's still making mistakes and he still looks like he's nervous and he, and uh, it's still it's costing United, then then maybe we can revise that opinion. But uh, right at the moment, I think he's um, you know, a very solid player now and will be an excellent one and we probably have to forgive the odd mistake. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I really, I mean, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I, I think people are going to look really silly. I love Guillaume Balaguer's tweet at the beginning of this season that people writing off the gay are just going to just feel absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, there is that thing of uh, people are people are writing him off and so they have to justify that by drawing attention. 
attention to mistakes and all that kind of nonsense like that. It's, it's unfortunate that that's happening. But he did make a mistake yesterday. Chris Smalling was elbowed in the face for the set the, for the first goal by Vidic and was was lying on the floor with a head injury. I don't think you can really expect them to stop play that quickly when they're in when there's that much momentum in an attack. It, it would have been it would have been just physically quite awkward if nothing else. I don't know. Should they have kicked the ball out? Uh, yeah, and they they don't they're not no they're not expected to either. So I mean the re- the referee the reason why we we don't have we shouldn't be having arguments about players and should kick the ball out should you not kick the ball out is because the referee makes that call. I think that's the right I think that's the right thing as well. I think mean, the referee makes the call. He makes the judgment whether he thinks it's serious enough to stop yeah, playing. No, I, I'm with you. I agree, and I don't think he really had time, and the the, the attack was over so quickly. You know, uh, after that, that you know he, he maybe didn't have time to react, and he would have been paying attention to where the ball was and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, it's potentially potentially dangerous not to stop the play that quickly with a head injury. But anyway, I think I think that's very much clutching at straws. So so the future then, uh, everyone is going to be talking about what players we might be buying in January. There won't be. I, that's the thing. I, I don't think we're going to buy any players in January. No, I'll, I'll put some money on it now. And if, if we do, there'll be the kind of, you know, Mame Biramdi of small scale, let's have a little gamble on something type players. I'd be really, I'd be massively surprised if we go out and spunk 30 million on a top class player. Yeah. Massively. Yeah. I will eat. I will eat some major humble pie if we do, and I'll be delighted to do it. But I'm saying right now, it is not going some to happen. Delicious, sweet humble pie. But you have to do that if they, you know, went and spunked it on Maro Goetzer or Wesley Schneider or some other class central well, midfielder. It doesn't matter. They're cup tied from the Champions League anymore, does it? It doesn't matter at all. I mean, I think quite a few senior United players will be cup tied in one way or another from the Europa League, and and uh, it will be a well, depending on the draw, I suppose. But it's probably likely that United will rotate quite heavily. In that competition and put our eggs into the Premier League basket and you can kind of understand why I mean if we get to the semi-final m- maybe we make a decision then it'd be nice to win the Europa League until then uh, I think Ferguson will have other priorities yeah which might mean that Ravel Morrison will play and I'll get all overexcited that'd be nice yeah or it might mean Park Ji-sung and Darren Gibson yeah, and that's play. slightly less exciting I don't know the squad's not big enough at the moment there's too many injuries there's not going to be any fringe players because the fringe players will be the first 11 because we, we are injury ravaged at the moment right yeah I mean I mean, it's, God, it's, it, I mean, I know we talked about the fixture list being pretty kind, and, and it is kind of over Christmas. We don't play anyone in the top half of the league, and, and maybe it's a good time to have that. Uh, going to January, we've got this period of well, City in the Cup, uh, I think playing Arsenal and Chelsea and Newcastle away, and there's a you know, string of tough fixtures there. So you better hope that we've got some players back by then. And of course, second half of the season, basically, we have a whole bunch of away games. We had a tough start to the season, uh, but the second half of the season, uh, we have those the tough teams that we played very early on we have them away so I mean obviously Newcastle now but we also, we have to go to Stamford Bridge and we have to go to the Emirates and Eastland City of Manchester Stadium the Etihad whatever they call it this week there as well so that's spread over a, a few months of course so but it, that that little period just after Christmas really do need the players to start coming back then yeah we haven't talked about the FA Cup draw uh, because that happened after we recorded last week we have got Manchester City in the third round away from home pretty exciting I mean you know it's obviously a very tough draw and and th- th- there's a, an awful lot to play for in that game, uh, but you know that's the magic of the cup right there. Well, it's exciting for the fans. I mean, if if uh, as uh, I was chatting to the uh, director of communications at the club, and he was saying, yeah, it's exciting for the fans. If we get our full allocation, I think he's uh, probably thinking we won't for that one. It should should in theory have 25% of the stadium 
because it's an FA Cup and be surprised uh, so yeah it is exciting for the fans I, I'm not sure Ferguson will be too excited about it coming off a really busy programme and with some tough games around it so it'd be interesting to see what he does there because the FA Cup he's definitely rotated his resources you'd kind of think you know take it on face value third round in the FA Cup he would like to play a few younger players and a few fringe players but it is away at City and, and it, the FA Cup could be quite important if City beat us obviously the psychological thing but also it's another tournament out of the way that we can't yeah. win and of course if we beat them that's a tournament out of the way that they can't win in their march towards multiple glories because it's interesting being in the Europa League I wonder if they'll have a slightly different attitude towards the tournament as well seems like it seems like I don't know because obviously City have got no recent history of European football it's still quite a big it's a much bigger deal to them than it is to us presumably yeah no, and Roberto Mancini has said that they're, they're going to try and win it and, and contrast that with say you know, Patrice Evra's reaction which is you know it's an embarrassment we're out and, and to be honest it's the Champions League or nothing for me I mean he did, he did caveat that and say look any time I wear a United shirt yeah, I want to win yeah. but you know so I'm, I'm not critical of him there I think he's a very honest assessment of what happened but but he did also say it's the Champions League or nothing and and for United players who were so disappointed to lose in the final last year to, to now be sunk into a pretty poor tournament you know although albeit with some good good teams in there but but no one really wants to be playing in this tournament do it's, they? it's football detention it's like oh must try harder should have qualified no well you don't get to go home for losing no it's absolutely way way worse than that you have to go to Eastern Europe a lot quite possibly yes well I mean if you look at the, the teams we could play we could we could get Zenit and or a bit close home could get Braga and who lost season's finalists so I mean there are some potentially tough sides in there we can't play any can't play any teams from the home nation in this round round 32 uh, and can't play any of the group winners and can't play of the any of the other seeded teams which are the the best ranked teams that have come out of the Champions League so the top four best ranked teams of which United is one <laughs> Sorry, sorry, just every now and again it hits you. It's like, we're, we're talking about the interests of the Europa League. No, no, it's a... In the last four seasons, we've been in the final three times of the Champions League. I refuse to learn how the Europa League works. I will accept that the matches will come on and they'll be on Channel 5 or ITV4 and presumably Channel 5 because they'll, be, they'll want the big game that is United. Then we'll have to play on a Sunday, but we do that anyway. It's, it's ridiculous. I refuse to learn. So feel free to explain to our listeners. I won't be listening. All right, I think I just did. Uh, right, and potentially good. a lot of games, of course. You know, there's round 32, so it's one extra round than the Champions League. But yeah, anyway, whatever. That's that's for the new year. I guess sort of February time will be the, the next round. And the draw will be a couple of weeks' time, is it? Uh, anyway, whenever. It's, uh, it's something to be excited about. <laughs> Not. Oh, Jesus. Terrible. I, you know, I'm going to try and enjoy it. And hopefully he will play some kids and not just the really dull fringe players and not just Aaron Gibson but you know they might all be gone by then anyway because it doesn't we don't have to deal with this until January right later in January yeah 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 I think well, I think it's early February actually um, and before right. then uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers at the weekend kind of really do kind of after this after this really do need a win don't we I'm not only just chasing City in the Premier League but just for the confidence I, mean, I imagine um, Wolves are a good side at the moment as well let's, let's not pretend they're relegation fodder though actually a decent side so. are, you, are you being serious I'm, I'm being serious they're a decent side okay uh, I I mean they've been awful they managed to beat Sunderland who are just in comp- 
complete terrible crisis and they only just managed to beat Sunderland Wolves have been woeful this season basically they're not going to go down though that's my prediction well yeah but that's because we're living in a weird parallel universe where you know Blackburn have been taken over by crazy business people who quite literally don't know the rules of football let alone how to run a football team properly and some someone has put a gypsy curse on Bolton and time the a gypsy curse are you allowed to use those kind of god we're going back to race cast again here I'm very (laughs) sorry to our you know listeners in the travelling community our Romany listeners alright someone someone has put a a curse of some description you know a a, a politically correct neutral curse yes well anyway Wolves at the weekend Saturday at 3 o'clock it might be the last time this season we see that (laughs) I'm laughing because it, otherwise you'd cry. We'll beat them, right? I don't know. I've I just I've got no idea whether we're going to beat yeah. them or not. I, I have no faith in United at the moment at all. Home against Wolves, we should beat them. Whatever you know, is the turnout. I mean, there might be a hangover. I, I mean, Ferguson talked about a response. I mean, I have to say it really annoys me when he talks like that. Yeah, fine. What were they not trying hard enough in the first place? Well, they weren't though. That was sorry to like bang on about Baal, but they seemed to have had a sense of urgency bypass hmm well maybe they'll get a sense of urgency against Wolves I mean if they want to stay in the team anyway so that's the weekend I I would think we'll have some kind of res- response whatever that means and and uh, maybe get... we'll win 1-0 that's what it means yeah probably yeah, another turgid performance <laughs> and we'll win one I, I'm going to enjoy it anyway you know I, like I, I, I'm very kind of down on the actual performances of United at the moment but still like ridiculously love them you know it's it's not it's not it's, it's unconditional you know it's stupid they're Man United they're not always going to be the biggest and best team in the world you know they, they, they have not. been for a long time but no no no, no I expect it I expect it <laughs> biggest and best uh, interesting interesting uh, infographic someone sent me today tracking page impressions on news websites to do with big events and that kind of thing you know kind of the meme of what's happening and, and United versus Basel Wednesday night was the second biggest ever in history and uh, just behind I don't know there's a conglomerate of I think World Cup plus the longest ever match in at Wimbledon was better but more page clicks per minute than the presidential elections or the Super Bowl or any of these other Michael Jackson dying any of these things there you go it shows how popular and or interesting United is to a global yeah, audience football on the internet as well the, the, the internet has changed the nature of football fandom hugely I think because being a football fan is all about belonging and community I was talking to somebody about this today because the issue of perspective comes up when there is a, a seriously bad event in a football sense the, the very first thing almost that I think is it's only a game and that's is a conscious choice it's like that there are many ways in which I am not many people would say that I am not a proper football fan because I do not fully invest my emotion in football in clearless glory hunter clearly well yeah exactly the irony is of course you get slightly less of the glory that way too but I'm, I'm comfortable with that no choice. but because you're a glory hunter you, you cover yourself in the glory while pretending you don't really care about it when, when United lose that's the worst kind of clearless glory hunting <laughs> but I mean I, I just think perspective is really important cause, because football only matters to the extent that you invest in it it has no empirical importance and one of the reasons that people invest so heavily in football is because it represents a sense of belonging the football team that you support the people that you 
support that with to a greater or a lesser extent are us now there are there are factions within us there are you know people that like Michael Carrick get together and be you know United fans who like Michael Carrick and, and think that the people that don't are idiots and the same with Johnny Evans and even there are some people that think Darren Gibson is really good and will be great in the future are there really <laughs> yeah they exist believe it or not yeah but that's one of those you know minority weird, weird <laughs> things that people do in strange clubs wearing rubber isn't it it is indeed uh, the, the, the G, G-bomb nights are big I hear in the uh, in the underground scene yeah but you know the, the, and being on the internet means that you can be with us in a really kind of active way there's loads of people that just use Twitter for United you know in, in one way or another uh, and, and that's like a massive complex social network where you can access information and uh, entertainment about basically anything you like and yet you know for some people it just is a way of talking about United and you know forums and all that stuff so the internet's really significant in in terms of providing a sense of us I think um, which is which is which is good in many ways and could be really positive but also could be quite damaging and all that kind of malarkey talking of which you can find us on Twitter at UTD Rankcast and United Rant if you don't and we talk about this every week you must you must know it by now um, although uh, presumably this is someone's first episode so hey new person lo- lovely to have you on board if you've enjoyed it feel free to throw up a review on iTunes uh, which we also talk about every week and again people have been doing that and it, it really is much appreciated uh, talking of Twitter uh, people have asked us a few questions uh, two questions uh, one from Dale Goot and one from James SH underscore JH7 one is where is Wayne Rooney gone see, see his name in the starting 11 but never turns up anymore and the other is just what happened what has happened to Rooney sure it can't just be down to him playing deeper in midfield and we did discuss this earlier in the show but I definitely want to acknowledge your questions because I mean I think the midfield factor is huge but I do wonder if there's something going on behind the scenes Uh, we've also had a question from Mark underscore Pud saying which team are you going to follow in the Champions League now mine's Napoli on account of the girl I lost my virginity to being from there that's that's as good a reason as any I don't care I think is the answer quite like it if Ronaldo scored a bunch of goals but there's no way I can bring myself to support Real Madrid. No, I won't be supporting anyone. I, I mean, hopefully there'll be some good football. That's about yeah. it. Yeah, I'm supporting the concept of football. I'm supporting the concept of probably cancelling my Sky Sports subscription. Although if we're playing on Sat- on Sunday every single week, I guess we're going to be on. Mind you, there really aren't that many games in the UEFA Cup, right? There's, what, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, Jesus, I've started counting them. It's not going well. There's too many. Talking of which, at uh, Will underscore Lum says, does this mean the rank cast will no longer be recorded on Thursdays? And I, I, I didn't occur to me until somebody at Can They Score said, does this mean that the Rankcast is going to run into trouble? And our whole, we have literally built our podcast structure around assuming United are in the Champions League. Much like the Glazers business model, the Rankcast's recording schedule it, it has that assumption built into it. Wow, who knew we were so tied into the Glazer family, hey? It's, well, no idea. We'll find a way for you lovely people out there. We'll do it. Whatever. Yeah, absolutely. At Abdullah Husseini asks, the past eight days saw us say goodbye to two competitions. How is that going to affect the other two? He's not even counting the Europa League as a competition. Well, I mean, you could say concentrate on the league, but the fact that there is the Europa League is going to distract a little bit from that. Well, you know, every, every other team that plays in the Europa League in England has uh, had some trouble, haven't they? I mean, Fulham's record after 
Europa League fixtures is it was horrendous. And I mean, Stoke have Stoke have done all right and so on. But hey, look, no, they've been they've been poor in the league after after UEFA Cup games. So yeah, shows how much I know about Stoke. It's <laughs> uh, I mean, United in theory got a big enough squad if if we can get back some of the 87 players that are currently Crocs uh, to to cope yeah. with uh, that. Uh, I don't know how seriously Ferguson will take it. I suspect not very. And 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 the focus no. will go on first. Well, the Premier League above all else, and we'll see how much uh, how much focus goes on that cup game. Uh, it could be a massive one, of course. So um, we'll see. But yeah, I, I think uh, the Europa League is is pushed to the back burner of of the three competitions we're left in. Yeah, and and the league is everything, really, isn't it? Because it's it's the only way to call this a good season, really, is by winning the league. Win the FA Cup and the Europa League still been a pretty questionable season. Although, it'd be very you know winning Plast- the U- it would be a plastic double. Let's 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 be honest about that. Yeah, it'll be like that time when Liverpool won 17 trophies none of which were any good um, by the way a lot of Liverpool fans piping up I was just like alright then uh, literally I literally had a Liverpool fan email me today talking about how he was hoping that Man City would win everything this season so like, well, if if Everton were winning loads of trophies wouldn't be emailing Liverpool fans going oh I love this I hope Everton keep winning no it's just bizarre I'm, yeah bizarre sad 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 man yeah Absolutely, and I think we should end on a lighter note. At Neil underscore Barsley, long-time listener to the Rankcast, much appreciated, asks a very important question and says, to get our minds off the loss, my question is, which current Manchester United player would look best with a moustache? This is a very good question. Uh, you haven't had a lot of time to think about this, and I did see this question a little while ago. I actually think we've got a few potential moustache wearers in our side. I think Nemanja Vidic would look good with a moustache because there's no way of making Nemanja Vidic not look good. The man that He's, you know, a beast of a man. I, I, I think it should be Chris Smalling and he should go back to his fro as well. <laughs> that that could work, yeah. No, that could work. I think Johnny Evans could rock a moustache, potentially. I don't know. I think he'd have a little wispy one. I mean, he's not man enough, is he? I think it'd be a bit of bum fluff on there. Okay, well, that's that's a reasonable point of view. But I think the man with the new hair, the, the clear out-and-out winner, the, he's from Liverpool. He could get that hair to grow up into a curly perm, grow out a moustache. He's clearly a very hirsute gentleman, Wayne Rue. Very good. That's a picture I never wanted to have enter my mind. <laughs> You're welcome. So on, on that bombshell, let, let's do predictions. We're not playing a game next midweek? No, no, just the Wolves game and then a week off until QPR. Excellent. Uh, I predict that we'll beat Wolves one goal to nil. Yeah, God, it seems like the sensible the sensible thing to predict, doesn't it? Let, let's, let's go radical and say it'll be a 2-1 win. Radical. Okay, that is pretty radical. Two goals for Manchester United. Oh, by the way, small side note, uh, did say for a long time, that when Phil Jones eventually scores he's going to go on an 18 goal uh, 18 game goal scoring streak and uh, it's on well there you go um, been lovely having you on the show as always Paul thanks thanks Ed Talk, talking about all this depressing stuff I'm about to go and throw myself out of my 11th floor window don't do it it's really it is only a game life goes on today bad things happened good things happened you know tomorrow the same we'll have brilliant experiences being a football fan and less brilliant experiences being a football fan that's is what you it's you know, it's what you sign up for, isn't it? Imagine, like, there are clubs, there are loads of people our age who've spent their whole lives going to matches every week, seeing clubs that have never won anything. Mm, it's very, well, it's very true. And you need a bit of pain to experience the pleasure. I mean, imagine being a Barcelona fan, right? Like, un, unmitigated success and brilliant football every single week. Just think about how terrible that is. And you lo- need to lose now and again. Well, I sort of I sort of can remember when that was us. <laughs> that was pretty good, actually, now that I think about it. Hey, 
you know the ancient symbol of the yin and yang there's a reason that there is a dot of one in the other it's because you can't have one without the other there is no experience of joy and triumph without adversity and, and challenge well we've had the adversity on Saturday we've both predicted there'll be some joy and, and if you want some more joy in podcast format join us next Friday